Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Warning. The following podcast, which contains strong language and mature content, is unsuitable for children or for the faint of heart. The subject matter discussed will be frightening and graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spook. Girls, true crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you Spooksters, and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Jessica, and I am joined by my gal pal, Tara. Hey, Spooksters. And today we are joined by another guest. This is someone I've known literally my entire life, and she and I grew up together, and we are going to today be talking about her journey through spiritual healing using tarot cards. So with no further delay, I'd like to introduce you to Rags Crawley. Hello, hello, hello. Like I said, Rags and I grew up together. In fact, in the same town that Tara and I grew up in. So we are all these like little, little like 530 area code girls that have like <laughs> moved away. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we are now in all parts of the, of the, the country. I did, I'm the one who went the least far. <laughs> <laughs> Tara's in Alaska. Rags is in Kansas City. Oh, cool. What part of Alaska? I'm up by Anchorage. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. She, it's her sister who works in Denali. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. We already had an episode on tarot cards, the history kind of about the cards. And now we're going to be talking more about like the spiritual kind of journey people take when they discover cards. Rags has a big presence on TikTok. She has an account, it's called at Fat Crawley, and she talks a lot about body positivity, but more so recently, she's been talking about kind of her spiritual journey. Rags and I grew up, which I didn't realize until recently, we grew up in a very cult-like atmosphere, and it literally was- Weird how hard it is, yeah, to be like, wait a second. (laughs) It was like this weird awakening for me. I was like, holy shit, I grew up in a cult. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I literally sent your video to Tara and I was like, I grew up in a cult. I I need a minute. (laughs) Yeah. So she talks a lot about that on her TikTok. So I would definitely recommend going over there and checking it out. But I'm going to let you kind of give a little bit of background of like where your spiritual journey started. Yeah. 
So as you said, we were raised in the same evangelical community. And as adults, both of us continued in that community and kept those ideologies. And little things would happen that I now, with the mindset I have now, were like tiny rifts that contributed to what I refer to as passive deconstruction, which is when you're not really conscious that it's happening. But like, I remember when we bombed Iraq for the first time and everybody in the church was like celebrating. And I kept thinking, yeah, but like thousands of innocent civilians were just murdered. Like this is really sad and tragic and war is really disconcerting. And that began this spiral of me asking deeper questions. While at the same time, I had begun attending a private Christian university with the intent of getting a degree in theology to become a missionary for that organization. Like, and you could not tell me otherwise that that was not what I was doing with my life. And while there, while studying, more questions than answers came. Things like when I would study, so I would actually study the original languages that things were written in in order to learn the true intent of meanings and phrases. This is just normal part of theological study. And for most people, redirects them back deeper into their own faith. For me, I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, all right. I have have questions (laughs) because in studying the original language, I don't see the word homosexual anywhere in the entire Bible. In fact, everything I've ever been taught about what homosexuality means to Christians is literally nowhere, (laughs) is absolutely nowhere. Everything they're talking about are pedophiles. And that like blew my mind. And it was little tiny fragments of questions that kept going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper led me after I left that university and kind of went out into the world, bigger questions, harder questions started to face me. And I quote unquote, fell away to use, you know, Christianese language. Yeah. Well, all I was really doing was discovering life as a person outside of a cult. And I didn't know it. I didn't understand. I was viewing every single element of my life through the lens of a cult and shaming myself and hurting myself and trying to dictate who I was supposed to be or what was wrong with me or what was right with me on all of those ideologies. And so that eventually took about, I mean, we're talking about a decade. This is not a slow or short process. For some people, maybe it happens overnight. But I had a vision my last semester in college, and I had a lot of visions that We'll get into this later, but I don't think we're Christian as much as me authentically trying to seek whatever source or spiritual realm is out there. That was sincere always. Whatever somebody names that is up to them, right? And the social rules they want to put around that is also up to them. And so I had a vision of a boat. And this was happening at a time that I had begun the ordination class to become a missionary like this whole specific process. And on the first day in class, the leader of the district said something that just pissed me off and was confusing to me. And I had, I don't know how to explain it. It's like a bubbling up inside of you, like a pressure. You just know something is trying to speak to you or you're supposed to see something and you have to kind of surrender to it in order to have it. So I went back to my dorm room, surrendered, and I saw this vision of this boat, this rowboat on the water. And over the course of the next six months, as I was seriously considered what to do with my life and really beginning to go hard at this deconstruction process, the evolution of this vision changed. And there were a lot of different elements to this vision that expanded over the course. And 
for the last 10 years, that image of a rowboat has had a lot of important symbolism to me through my life and helped directing me. So fast forward, um, in 2020, I lost my father-in-law to mental health. It was pretty tragic. But when it happened, it literally felt like, I don't know how to explain it, like the fabric of the universe ripped open <laughs> to sound like really dramatic. And I began to experience things I couldn't explain, like the ability to, to put it in the lamest term, speak to dead people, um, connecting with spirits, having all of this stuff that previously growing up in an evangelical home, I believed were like demons and dark and evil. And it was, I didn't know what to make heads or tails of it because I could feel the energy. I could understand the energy and it wasn't dark and it wasn't evil and it wasn't scary. And so I started sharing this with another former university friend. And she said, have you ever thought about tarot? And to that point, I hadn't. Because again, Satan. (laughs) (laughs) And so eventually I was on TikTok and an artist, I think it's okay to name him, James Eads. He's a phenomenal like spiritualist artist. And he created a tarot deck and made a little video and I saw a rowboat and I was like, no freaking way. It just, it looked like the way he painted, the way he drew, it looked identical to this vision that I had grappled with for years. I've painted it. I have paintings of this vision trying to capture that. And so I ordered them. And when they showed up at my door, I was like, I had like nervous anxiety that was both fear and uncertainty. What am I about to unleash, you know, on my house? But at the same time, mm-hmm. just this excitement of, I don't know, how, like this energy that was bursting outside of me. And I opened the box and I laid out all of the cards in front. And I am not kidding you. It consisted of at least 15 separate visions that I experienced while in evangelicalism, mm-hmm. specifically the whole journey of the rowboat. That was, was the vision that led me outside of evangelicalism because I chose to follow that path. And it took me away from church, took me away from being a missionary and took me away from all of that. And from that moment, tarot has just become this inseparable part of me. I've discovered, I'll call them gifts, I guess, and just a connection to the spirit world that feels very, very natural and normal, but also there's still a lot of deconstruction to do around it. And that's my passion now is to help people realize tarot is not the scary thing we think it is. It has a lot of different uses and purposes and is specifically for me is the proof I needed that God doesn't exist within the confines of religion. If you even want to call it God or if it's a deity or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I totally get that. I remember when you came home and you were, you had just like graduated and everyone was waiting for you to get ordained. Mm-hmm. And you were like, I'm not getting ordained. And I think Shock I even was like, why? Like, you did all of this to not get <laughs> yeah. ordained? Like, it, at that point for me, it was like, just like, do it. But then it made, but when you said, I remember you saying to me, you're like, I can't become, like, I can't become part of it. Like, I can't become part of this mm-hmm. system, even Ooh. though it's just like another, ch- like a box to check to say I completed it. Like, I couldn't be a part of it. And Tara knows my story. And I think, I mean, you kind of lived my story with me when I was (laughs) going through what I I went through. The reason I stepped away from church was literally people were like abusive. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was like I fled church because, Mm -hmm. you know, you're always told 
that church is supposed to be your safe place, that you're supposed to be able to go and feel this like, because like the Bible does talk about like loving each other unconditionally. So if you took the Bible as is, you should go to church and feel the most loved you've ever felt. And I have felt the most hated I have ever felt inside the four walls Mm -hmm. of that church. They're such predators. Right. And it. Yes. I remember, like, I know a lot of people like, oh, okay, they're part of evangelicalism. Like, it's not really cult. No, our church especially <laughs> was culty. Oh like, my our God. youth pastor literally picked 12 high school, college age students and Disciples. we became like her decide. No, Rags is using air quotes, <laughs> but like literally. <laughs> You're like, people don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Northern California, yeah. Nevada district of the Assembly of God. They literally called us her disciples. Like it was known that she had these like 12 to 14 students that just did everything for her. And I would like blindly listen to her. Oh, because yeah. That was what God wanted. Yep. And oh, yeah. I've told this story on here before. I remember one time I did something that she didn't approve of. And we were in a prayer circle like before youth group. And she like opened her eyes and looked at me and prayed away my spirit of Jezebel. <laughs> I remember that. And I was like, oh, that's cool. It's not oh. everyone staring at me right now, like in this tiny little room, all holding hands. And everyone knows she's talking about me because she's looking at me. And so like, it took me a few years. Like I went off to the same university you did. I came home. I worked in the church. I thought I was doing God's work. And oh, I realized yeah. it was like oppressing people. Oh, yeah. And that's an, that's an incredible journey because like. Yours was so much more like intellectual than mine. Mine was like, I got my feelings hurt and I walked away. I was like, peace. That's not true though, because feelings are such a great indicator of the bigger things going on inside of us, right? So when Mm. our feelings get hurt, sometimes it's our ego. Yes. And we have to do the work to recognize that. But so often it's valid. (laughs) It's valid to kind of understand what's going on there. And I just want to share this because I had this thought and I think you'll appreciate it, Jess, just like two nights ago. I was watching a program about the Middle East and they were talking about sending children to like camps to learn how to like be little jihadists, essentially. Mm-hmm. Such like a like these religious forces is essentially what a jihadist is, right? Somebody who will literally die for what they believe. We've seen that in lots of other things, like the Nazis also sent their children to camps to learn how to be good Nazis and indoctrinate that belief system from the time they're little. What did we do every summer, Jess? We went to camp. We went to camp to do <laughs> together. To do what? <laughs> to learn how to be better little Christians. To learn how to be religious forces so indoctrinated we would be willing to die. And I'll never forget that yes. we Columbine happened. There was that big story that somebody looked Mm -hmm. the gun in the face and said, yes, I believe in God and will die for my faith. And that became the cry of our youth group, the cry of every child Christian. And I'm thinking, yeah, little soldiers Mm -hmm. raised to die for a faith that may or may not even be real. (laughs) Like what, like extremism. You can't call that anything other than a cult. I don't even like using the word for religion anymore. I feel like it's a disservice to what that actually is. Right. I mean, the one thing is like, I like when we would, we've talked about cults here on the podcast before, and we talk about like the people who escape from them. And then the, Mm -hmm. you know, the ones that stay behind. And like, I look at the people like that are still in my life that are still in that church. I mean, like you're, 
I'm assuming, I mean, I know some of your family is because like literally one of your family members is like off across the sea, but like, (laughs) it's such a big, it's such a big thing. And like my parents, my parents ended up leaving the church we grew up in and it was like a big deal. Like they went to a different church and they were scorned. Yeah. I remember there's a church in Chico that my biological mom went to same like same I don't it wasn't like the same denomination but same like evangelicalism and when she left the church because of some things happening she was told like people in her church were told not to talk to her anymore when she died their pastor from the pulpit told people not to attend her funeral because she had left the church are you fucking kidding me I want to gouge out my eyeballs when I hear stuff like that Right, like someone my mom was really close to like messaged me and told me that they wanted to be mm-hmm. there, but they couldn't because it was not with in line with what their church was saying. Mm-hmm. And I said, then you need to check what your church is saying because that's yeah. not a thing. Mm-hmm. I was sexually assaulted as a kid, just knows the story and knows the person that did it. And they were under 18 when it happened. Well, their older brother wasn't, but to me, it's no different. I don't care who you are, right. what age you are, when you do something so cruel, so painful, so so very clear, like they knew exactly what Mm -hmm. they were doing and they did it repeatedly for years. And I was trapped in that cycle because I was raised in modesty culture that told Mm -hmm. me it was my burden of responsibility to cover myself up. So if a man touched me, it was my fault. Right. And so I believed as a 10, 11, 12, 13 year old girl that it was my fault. I was being abused in this Mm -hmm. way. And when I finally just recently began to speak out about modesty culture and specifically sharing Mm -hmm. that story, the same youth pastor we're talking about reached out and was just like, that's a lie. We never taught you that in our church. Why are you telling lies? And my only response was, it seems to me like you're more upset about the image of your church than it is a child being sexually assaulted within it. That was all I said. And there was no response. I remember that post and I remember that comment and I I don't remember if I actually posted what I was going to post, but I remember like I had typed this, like I came for her. I was like, because looking back at my childhood, I've talked about this on here and you know, this individual, I was groomed. I was groomed by a child predator. Mm -hmm. She just let happen. She knew what was happening. She didn't tell my parents. My parents would come talk to her about it. And she would assure them that, like, nothing was wrong, that we were just friends. And my parents were like, that's even a problem. Like, I get that this person is up is in the youth group leadership, but, like, maybe they shouldn't be f- close friends. Maybe yeah. they shouldn't be, like, driving around together. Maybe you shouldn't send them on errands by themselves together. Because my, or- like, I've talked about this. I basically lost my virginity to this dude. And, like, mm-hmm. it was an... The gross thing is he dated someone younger than me mm-hmm. while we, it like just, while I was in high school. And then we wonder too, why that church went through in, in our lifetime in that church, we had at least seven, I want to say there were nine pastors. So mm-hmm. from the time that I was zero to 24 years old, there were at least seven separate pastors and almost every single one of those left because of it quote unquote, inappropriate relationships, meaning they had affairs and things like that. And then we wonder why these were pervasive themes throughout this mm-hmm. church. And we wonder why we so easily call it a cult now, because right. I, I, I don't know about you guys in Tara, I'm sorry, you haven't shared your story yet either, but I don't, I cannot physically watch programs like that Hillsong documentary that came out 
I watched 10 minutes and I almost physically vomited because it felt so similar to exactly the life that we lived and what we experienced. And then there's also like ones about extremist Mormon cults and things and what was done to children. And I can't watch Mm -hmm. those because they feel too familiar to the life that I lived. I think that's why like I was liking them when I would watch them because it was like (laughs) I was relating like subconsciously I was relating to the victims and I didn't know. I was like, why am I so enthralled with Taryn? I was like, I love cults. Mm -hmm. I love studying cults. I love talking about them. I love exposing them. You're an expert. I love to expose them too. (laughs) So, but yeah. So knowing that this journey, like what is the difference like, like you feel within your spiritual journey from like what we grew up in? Yeah. What I found is that in Christianity, it is entirely obsessed with the material world. They say it's not, they say it's all about your soul and God, right? Which seem like the spiritual realm, but every single thing that you have to do in order to be worthy of that spiritual realm is physical. It's how you dress. It's the thoughts you have, like the lust you have for, it's obsessed with sex. Christianity is so obsessed with sex Mm -hmm. and like sexualizing everything, poverty culture, prosperity mentality, war culture, authoritarian parenting. All of this stuff is completely obsessed with how we live day to day in this meat carcass that our soul Mm -hmm. embodies. For me, the difference with tarot has been. In Christianity, the Holy Trinity is an external deity that I am not worthy of, and I am doing everything I can to earn the worthiness of that as it interacts with me and molds me in this lifetime. In my new spiritual journey, I am the Holy Trinity. I am both one with and part of the universe, like the Holy Spirit. I am the physical manifestation of that moving around in this lifetime realm, whatever this is, like you would say Jesus is. And I am connecting with the soul inside of me that is like the Holy Spirit that is cut from the universe and is my intuition, my gut that guides me and that helps me know. I am empowered in this journey to walk alongside the universe, which is what I refer to what people might call God, as opposed to being subject to it. And to me, that is everything. And that is what tarot has helped me to unpack because it's things like, gosh, I just, I'm trying to think of some great examples that I just had, like making decisions. I struggle a lot with indecision or like indecisiveness is the word there. Mm -hmm. And I realized that's because I grew up being indoctrinated to believe there is one right answer to everything. Had no idea that that was so indoctrinated inside of me that it manifested even in simple little ways. Makes sense. Yeah. Modesty culture still every day, all day long. Like if I show any part of my body whatsoever, I'm very hyper aware and very anxious and very conscious about it and still shame myself at anything that were to happen to me and anything that I wear would be my fault. It's like, but tarot helps me release those ideologies. Sorry. What were you going to say? Oh yeah. No, that, that makes sense. And I mean, as far as like purity and modesty culture, like I was so rebellious of it. And Mm -hmm. like growing up in church, like the women would be like, oh, you're wearing jeans to church or pants. You're a lady. You should wear a skirt. And then I would wear a skirt. Oh, I can see way too much of your thigh in that. And like, why are you not wearing a slip? Right. They're like perfect examples of what our church wanted girls to dress like. And those were like your cousins. Like they literally dressed perfect. Their hemline were below their knees. 
their shirts, like if it was like what I'm wearing right now, like low cut, they had another shirt underneath that brought it up. It was very like, you know, like my my elbows can show, but my knees can't. And then like closed toed shoes, like it was very this like yeah. modesty thing. And I was so just, I was built different than them as well. Yes. Like, so were yes. you. And so like, we were curvy. Right. And anytime like I would wear a slightly low cut shirt and I had a little bit of cleavage, it was like, oh my gosh, did you see her? Or like, you know, I'm not going to fill out this t-shirt the same way that like, even if it's up to my neck, you're still going to see that I have boobs. Oh, you have boobs and a turtleneck. (laughs) Pretty much. Like I remember going to summer camp and like looking at like all of the other girls besides like me and you, and you and I were like in t-shirts up here and they were baggy and we were, our shorts were like all the way almost to our knees. If my shorts were up higher, they were like my skanky shorts, you know, and And it was so just hard. And I hated, I hated it because I would look at the other girls who could get away with things because their body wasn't the same. And if I didn't wear that t-shirt, I would get like the shame, like basically being called a Jezebel. I don't. (laughs) Literally being called one. (laughs) Yeah. Like I know that I like thinking back, it's because there was like a member of our youth group that everyone thought like. I was in love with and I was like, nah, he's gross. He's like my brother. And (laughs) I swore that this individual, like our leader was like really into him. And Mm -hmm. she didn't like when he would give me any kind of attention, whether it was like negative or positive, you know, and it always kind of, yeah, it always stuck with me that like, that's how it was. And so for me, you know, tarot has been such a, like a taboo word in my family. So taboo. Oh, yeah. I remember like, I looked at it like when I was probably like 18. And my parents sat me down, I had to go see past the pastor, I had to go see our youth pastor, because I didn't know what it was. And I looked into it. I was also like writing my no, I think I was younger than that because I was writing my admission essay for the school we went to. Mm. And I think that's why I was doing it because it was talking about like, Faith, and there was like an extra part, like where you could talk about like how this, like Christianity, Christianity's view on something. And I think I was like, oh, this makes sense. Like I'll talk about like how tarot is of the devil. Like that's literally what I was thinking. No. Yeah, and I literally was writing this, and my parents were like, well, we don't even want you looking into it, and they had to like pray for me, and it was. It's kind of like one of those things where like sometimes I'm like, oh, my God, I wish I had just like never even had Googled it because it became such a huge deal. So it was such a taboo word. But have you found more peace through it than you than you have prior? Infinitely more peace, because, again, in Christianity, you're spending all of your energy trying to live up to these ideals that make no sense in the big picture of who we are as people. So like you brought that up. I can't tell you how many times. I spent feeling so despondent that I was naturally outgoing and loud because that was so shameful. Women are supposed to be quiet, right? And meek and behind the scenes, but I was loud and I wore fluorescent colors and big curly hair. I was never, ever the ideal. And God, to try to become that was so hard. Or if you liked anything, I've always, you two, we've always had this kind of draw towards the spiritual realm and towards things that are a little bit spookier, but gosh, even something as innocent as Harry Potter, 
was like the worst gateway into it. I remember my dad telling me, I know real witches. You don't want to mess with them. And I'm like, you know, at the time, it's so terrifying. It's so terrifying. And that's the other thing in Christianity, everything is fear-based. Oh yeah, totally. Absolutely everything. Even what they say is joyful, like the love of God to be with and all eternity. I'm like, right, but how do you gain the love of God? By fear-mongering yourself into a mold that doesn't fit anybody. Right. Right. That doesn't, and unless you're like potentially a middle-class white individual that just loves the power that you get from that religion. But yeah, in, in tarot, it is so peaceful. It's very much about healing. It's very much about connecting to the spirit world and very much about owning our power and our strength that has naturally always been ours. And we've been told to hide it. It's true. You can if this question's off limits, you can like definitely, yeah. you don't have to answer, but you did bring up your dad. <laughs> oh, yeah. By the way, I love your parents. I've always loved your parents. I know. I think it's because I've loved them like outside of the church. Like, like when I think of your dad, I don't think of church. I think of him trying to make us watch Das Boot 15 times and like, oh my God. And you're I like, love dad, that you no. remember that. That's really embarrassing for him. Yeah. <laughs> no, I loved it. I, I, I thought it was great. Like, it was. <laughs> Yeah. It was like, I love this movie. I want to share it with you. And I was like, it's German oh, boy, and it's subtitles. It. And it's 1130 it's at about night. about a summary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For sure. Are your parents still involved in church? Uh, unfortunately, yes. Are they still involved in our church? They are. Okay. So my parents have grown a lot. And they've been on their own, I would say, passive deconstruction mm-hmm. journey. I think they're a lot closer to having a foot outside that door than they do inside. However, my dad still calls all the time to remind me anything good that happens in my life. It's because God gave it to me. And that becomes increasingly offensive to me because I disagree with that. I think it's because I worked really, really hard and because I surrendered to the universe and allow myself to be present in each moment and take each thing for what it is. I don't like being told that a deity controls my life and gives me things. So my parents are beautiful people, but Mm -hmm. yeah, they, they still got those cult ideologies. Unfortunately, I get that. And it's for me, it's really hard to like reconcile that with your dad, because I would think that he would be the more open one because your dad has told me about like back in the day when he was a Methodist and how like they used to get closer to God because they used to smoke pot. Oh, well, he wasn't a Methodist then, I don't think, but he was a raging hippie. Yeah, that, like he, he used to plant trees in Oregon and has all kinds of stories about doing mm-hmm. shrooms and smoking tons of weed. I mean, he was just like your classic. He went to Haight-Ashbury by himself when he was 15 years old. Tracks. He got on a bus from Northern <laughs> California, went to San Francisco by himself because he was curious about hippies. My mom also. But then they got sucked up into the Jesus movement of the 70s, which kind of pretended like Jesus was a hippie and sort of gave a lot of that ideologies Mm -hmm. and they just never left. And that our church almost went under, it went down to like six people, which is no surprise, all of whom were like retired and there was no money for anything. Yes. My parents (laughs) included and my uncle and aunts as well. Still. Mm -hmm. And then 
a different church in Coining. I don't know what happened, but they basically left their organization, which was also evangelical. This is the like church hopping stuff and asked to be, to take over our church. So they brought their whole community into our church and reinvigorated it. So now it's got like hundreds of people again and the cult is bright and alive once more. So I worry my parents are, I thought, I thought we were getting close to them, like maybe taking some time away from it, but who knows. And it's like, it's kind of one of those things where like, I want people to have their own journey and be like, if this is what brings you joy and happiness, but like, just realize yeah, that yeah. there's an oppression with that. And I don't know, it's kind of like one of those things like when my dad was da- like, my dad was sick and stuff like he had a conversation with my ex-husband and he would talk about like, I'm so afraid to go to hell. And he'd be like, well, why do you think you're going to hell? And he's like, because even then he was like, because I can't live up to what the Bible says. And my ex-husband, who was Catholic, who barely knows the Bible, was like, I think you're just got- supposed to try. Like, that's that's what yeah. it is. And I don't know, like, I remember like questioning faiths, like when, you know, we went to war, talking about like, because the Muslim hate was so big. And I'd be like, why? So big. Like, why do we yeah. hate them? Like, what did like they do to us? And they're like, well, they want to kill us. And I'm like, well, if you go back in history, the Christian crusades, mm-hmm. these men in like shiny armor rode into their like land and said, either become like us or we'll kill you. If I was that, I'd be like, I don't like you either. And I'm going to make it part yeah. of my identity to make sure that your religion is something I hate. We're doing it now. Yeah. 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 So are they, are your parents, like, are they still like as involved? I can say this about my parents. My mom was the Sunday school superintendent and my dad was the treasurer of the church for like 20 something years. And so like Mm -hmm. to be considered and I was literally, okay, here comes Jessica. Like she's going to, she's going to be a youth pastor and she's going to work in the church and she's going to be a Sunday school teacher. I mean, Rags and I were both Sunday school teachers, which is kind of a scary thought that like one, people trusted us with their children (laughs) like alone in a room for like an hour and to be like, here, let me tell you about God. I'd be like, I don't know that I would do that. I would be, I'd take one look at me and be like, not her. But like, that was a big part of my class was the being able to question like what they said. And your younger cousin was in that class and often would chastise me (laughs) and be like, no, we don't do that. And I'd be like, okay, I'm gonna walk, I'm gonna walk away. But yeah. It's funny how the church made us feel like we were so rebellious. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why there's this theme and message around pastor's kids Mm -hmm. about how rebellious they are. When you are raised in utter extremism, you don't know anything different. And so it's the pendulum is naturally going to swing another direction for a lot of people because we have to go that far to answer questions to find what the middle is Mm -hmm. for us to live in it. Oh, I remember there was an, there's another there was another prominent church in the same kind of like line as ours, and one of the leaders of that church son went to the school that we went to, and he was friends with another one of my friends that was there. When he left, he like completely left. He like didn't go back home to his church. Like he just like because sometimes going to an evangelical college, like what happened to you, you question everything because you're you're learning things on a more like it's very deep level. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember like he got tattoos and like he was just a normal person. And I remember like my parents and his parents and their pastor had come home and we were talking about it. And I was like, oh, you know, it's it's really unfortunate that so-and-so isn't still there. It'd be great to have someone from home. And I remember they were like, we don't talk about him. (laughs) We don't talk about him. 
no, no. Yeah. His own father was sitting at the table and was like, yeah, we don't talk about him. We don't talk to. And I was like, you don't talk to your son? He's like, no, we, we, it was that like being unevenly yoked thing. And I'm like, your own fucking son. Yeah. You know what this reminds me of? So, okay. Let me ask you a question, Jessica. Growing up, did you think Scientology was a cult? I mean, I still kind of do because like I've met Scientologists. Yes. Well, yes. Now for <laughs> sure. But I mean, I, right. We were always told like, oh, Mormons, they're a cult. Scientists, they're a cult. What, the, one of the things mm-hmm. that stands out the most to me about both of those organizations is how readily they abandon family members when they fall away from their belief system. They're like, right. Like dis, dis, what's the word I'm looking for? Discontinued. Disowned. Disowned. <laughs> And it's like, it's shocking, but I realized how much cognitive dissonance I had my whole life growing up because I literally watched it happen on TV. It was so normal. Right. Right. I remember like, but I remember like your older siblings, like leaving home, going off to school and the way that the church would talk about them, it was almost like they had committed murder. Oh yeah. And I was like, they're still really wonderful people. Like I adore your siblings. Like uh-huh. your brother is so talented and like, in, and your yeah. sister is incredibly smart. And so like when people would talk about them, I'd be like, they're not dead. Great. Yeah. They're just in different places. Yes. Oh yeah. One of the pastor's wife, my sister came one time and she had gotten her eyebrow pierced, which was like very trendy in the late nineties, early two thousands, you know, and she had mm-hmm. short hair again, like Gwyneth Paltrow's vibe. Right. And Mm -hmm. in front of everybody, she's like, I heard that everybody that has an eyebrow piercing is a lesbian. Is that true? Are you gay? Ask in front of my parents, in front of all these other people. Yeah. So it was constant things like that. Getting told, my sister was told she was going to hell because she was living with her boyfriend when she was like, you know, 19 or 20. But we thought that was normal. And we believed that, right? We were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's going to hell. You know, you could say it in a nicer way. No, I had an apartment in Corning and I lived with a guy and (laughs) your cousin, who's my age, (laughs) told me I was gross. (laughs) Mm. And I was like, why? And she's like, because you're living with a guy before you're married. And I was like, "Okay, cool. Like, that's fine. And then I never invited her over to my house again. And then she asked me why. And I'm like, really? Because you called me gross. Like, it wasn't even like you said you know, maybe that's not the best choice or like, I don't agree. Yeah. Like, and I let people have their opinions, but I'm like, you, you, that was a personal attack. Like, I'm not gross. All of this, all of this mm-hmm. that we're talking about, it does not exist in the tarot community. Mm-mm. If it does, I have never found it. And it is not pervasive. The tarot community as a whole is just, we're so curious and we just want to be connected we believe everything is connected. And so there's very much an understanding, like if I say something shitty to somebody else, I'm hurting me. Like there's just this self-awareness and lack of ego. I mean, we're still people, but like, it's just, it doesn't have this agroness that is normal in religion. True. I mean, Tara does, Tara does readings and actually like for most people that she does them, because we do it through the podcast. We have like a little story yeah. she does them through. I mean pretty like nail on the head i want to say like 99% of the time right yeah yeah oh, and yeah. i think that's what people are looking for people tarot is about like trusting yourself yeah and trusting yes. that what like is like how you feel and it that's a big that's a big yes. thing what's coming at you mm-hmm. yeah yeah 
Because that's, so for me, I like to introduce tarot two ways when I'm talking to newbies. So for me, when someone's starting tarot, I wouldn't, unless they're having a lot of experiences and need it, but I wouldn't necessarily be like, start talking to dead people and spirits using tarot. I would say like, use it as a tool to learn how to hear yourself, learn how to understand what's being said, really like get a feel, learn what the cards mean, et cetera. And then expand to like, connecting with whatever is on that other side, whatever that looks like for you, because it's a tool for both. And I love talking to spirits. Real fun. I know. I mean, <laughs> that's, you talk about talking to spirits. Like I remember when we started this podcast, I was talking about like a dream around specific like dates. Like I will dream about like around the time my parents died or, you know, around the time, like when our friend mm. Ashley died, like I'll dream about them and I have conversations with them. And I remember thinking like when this first happened, I was still kind of like pulling myself away from that, from the church. And I felt like it wasn't good that I was having these like dream conversations with someone who was dead that I was acknowledging was dead, that I was having this. And so I couldn't talk to anyone about it. And then like I opened up to Tara about it and she's like, that's perfectly normal. (laughs) Like it's fine. And you know, I'm not like a hundred percent like into tarot all the time. I use it when I need it, but I just feel like there are so many other answers out there than what is just kind of bullied into you. Mm -hmm. You said it's like fear-based, like you're like, you're going to go to hell or people aren't going to respect you. And I just, it, for me, it's just been a whole big, it's been, it's been difficult for me to reconcile because I have such like, it's such a strong root. Right. Yeah. And Mm-hmm. How have you dealt with that? Like that strong root being there? Piece by piece. Honestly, it's it's a challenge that you'll come up against all the time. I remember the first time I saw the death card, right? And just like, ooh, this is so terrifying. <laughs> it's so scary. And all those roots of what something is. And then once you learn tarot, you're like, the death card is basically the message of Noah's Ark or the message of the resurrection tomb where things end there is like sadness and ending, like it's an ending, but it's a rebirth. Mm -hmm. It's a beginning of something else. And how can that, first of all, be any different from the messaging we already, already knew, but also it just brings such a peacefulness to it where there's such a fear mongering to these other stories. Like if you don't behave, God's going to flood the earth and kill you. (laughs) Right. There's like this concept to it, but it's not that way at all. That's true. And also talking about it, just to answer another way too, is talking about it. Like you said, if you hadn't heard me call it a cult, it might've taken you a lot longer to be like, wait a second, I was raised in a cult. Now I I tell everyone. All of us having, (laughs) yes, yes. Now that we've got to have conversations and make it a more common theme, especially because extremism on that side is becoming worse. It's like the Salem witch trials all over again, it feels like. Mm -hmm. so before we leave i want to definitely like push your content that you have out on on the internet i okay i just want to say this i have always been one of your biggest fans i don't know if your tiktok community knows this because i've watched every one of your videos rags has an amazing voice and like that was something i struggled with growing up because we both sang in church and it was like people would be like okay you and aaron are gonna sing a song together and be like i refuse because it's literally like (laughs) It's literally like an average person going up against Adele. <laughs> and you're just like, cool. Uh, no, I don't want to sing with her. And so I pr- always was like, I hope I don't offend her. But it's like, no, I just don't want to look like the screecher 
next to the one who can hit the highest of high notes that I've ever heard. So, and so for me, like watching your journey has just been incredible. You want to talk a little bit about your TikTok account for a minute? Yeah. I'm still learning, but church took a lot for me. Being raised in the cult took a lot of things away from me. It took my innocence away from me. It took my childhood away from me. It took my ability to learn what style of clothing I liked most. And so I had a lot of trauma that I hadn't realized and hadn't dealt with. And the root of that began as a small child in that church community. And a lot of the ideologies that say prevented me from healing when I was sexually abused or managing my feelings when other triggers came up. So in 2020, about January, 2020, I was almost 400 pounds and it was a body just, I was abusing my body instead of the healing and instead of managing my emotions. So it wasn't like, oh, I'm ugly and terrible. It was, I need to deal with my shit. And I knew for me that I needed professional help in order to do that. So I moved forward with bariatric surgery and also with therapy and all of the other important things. And in that process, specifically since March, 2020, it has been me peeling back the layers and being determined to find who I truly am at the center of of myself. Not what somebody told me I was, not what I think I'm supposed to be, truly figuring all of that out for myself. In that, deconstruction has become an enormous part of that, but also just self-love and what self-love really means. Self-love, the first video I had that went viral was a 2.30 a.m. rant because I had cut all my hair off and I had spent a lifetime hiding behind my hair, thinking it was the only thing that made me worthy or because my beauty was my value, which is what I was raised in the church believing. And so it was a rant to just being like, self-love is a serial killer documentary. It is not baths. It is not wine. It is a murder (laughs) of brutal proportions of really just destroying everything you thought you believed and really unpacking where our worth comes from and what our value is. Tarot has only accelerated that process for me. And so as the layers are peeling back, my journey is both about body, about healing, about physical ways to meet our mental and emotional needs, but also the spiritual and emotional ways and how to let go of those ideologies that hurt other people and hurt us. And so that's what my TikTok is dedicated to. Yes, I I love it. Like I I think I've shared your videos with Tara like so many times. I'm like, Aww. and this is my friend, and this is my friend. <laughs> and then I when I saw that when I saw your TikTok about talking about the cult, and then you talked about like your your journey with Tara. I was like, we wanted we've been wanting to do a Tara episode for so long, and I just mm-hmm. I wanted a different spin on it. And I think Mm -hmm. actually talking to a person who has used tarot to help heal themselves is super powerful because I know that I struggle like when I'm looking for something that's like bigger than myself or I just need some reassurance, like my go-to is that whole like, well, what does the Bible say? How do, how do I like get into this? And then now it's like, wait a second. Like if you just look at it for what, how life is working. I just like, there were so many things like in our church, like we would be told stories that like, I would give my last $10 to the church and then God supplied me with like a month's worth of food or like somebody knew you needed help and it's a coincidence. Yeah. And being able to like teach yourself how to love yourself 
is kind of the ultimate goal. And so, I mean, I've been struggling with my weight loss and everything like that. And being able to watch like what has like how you've you've literally transformed yourself. The one thing that used to always bother me is like I would see you and I like you're right. You have this like big bubbly, like vivacious personality and you would just like hide behind mediocre people because like it was safer and I was like yeah I wanted to be like fuck those dudes like just go out and be you like some of my favorite times with you is just like when we were absolutely being silly or just like doing weird things at like two o'clock in the morning to like entertain ourselves I've told the story on here about how I like went and saw a paranormal activity and then like couldn't sleep and like I called my friend this is my friend (laughs) I called and literally like was like I need to sleep in your bed I can't sleep by myself tonight yeah And watching you grow on TikTok has been, like, huge because it's, like, I know this girl and I know the struggle she's been through. And to see her be, like, light. And I mean that not, like. No, I receive it. I receive it. It was dark before. I internally, Mm -hmm. everything. I was not. I was surrounded by layers, things I don't know. I mean. it's been so wonderful and I love what like I love just like watching you like I not feeling great today I'm just gonna go dance and I'm gonna record it and I'm gonna put myself out there very vulnerable and I'm so glad that like tarot has brought part of that healing journey with you because I think a lot of people that's what they're looking for they're looking for something to help heal them and they don't realize it's within themselves yeah my weight loss journey is directly tied to I should say my physical journey with my body is directly tied to my spiritual journey with my body. I didn't know. And that's why they're so entangled. And I've had to move so much into deconstruction at the front and not what kind of smoothie I eat because my healing journey has never been just about eating the right food, you know? Normally, when you hear the coffin sound, we have an ad from our sponsors, but not today. So I am popping in here just to put a little disclaimer. We did have a chunk of our conversation with rags that needed to be off the record for some super secret fun stuff. So I'm here to let you all know we're going to just have a abrupt cut and we're going to continue on the conversation. So hopefully y'all are enjoying this episode. See, isn't it really unfair? Like she can sing, she can draw, she's, she paints. <laughs> the church stole music from me. I haven't done music in a long time. The last time I did it was for that short film and all the success of that mm-hmm. short film has been healing for me. It's like, oh, I, I can do music again. You know, lead, when you lead worship, you hear chord progressions or you play old songs and it's just nothing but triggers and shame and guilt. Mm-hmm. So you kind of leave it. No, I, I, I get that. The last time that I publicly sang was at my mom's funeral, like grandma, my grandmother's funeral. And it was really hard. And it was her favorite like church song. So it was like, and so then I don't tell people that I have sang or that I sing. And when I sing publicly now, I like, you know, I'm trained enough to know how to like make myself sound not good because I don't want people to be like, oh, you sing? Where did you sing? Oh, you grew up in church. Yeah. But now I tell everyone that I grew up in a cold. Yeah. <laughs> Literally like I'll be at work and they'll be like, my coworker, George, he like loves to joke with me now. Like I'll be like, oh, I know. Like I'm like, that's kind of triggering for me. It seems too organized. And he goes, is it because of your cult? Yeah. Trigger. And I'm like, yes, it's because of my cold. And then 
I was sharing it with someone else and they're like, no, that church is literally a cult. Yes. And the weird thing is, I currently, like from where I'm sitting right now, I am two miles from their headquarters. One of our friends that like my old roommate lives less than 10 minutes from me won't talk to me. In Kansas City, I am three hours away from the national headquarters. Mm -hmm. And it does not surprise me at all. Like when all the, a lot of like the voting stuff was coming out and there was a lot of like big problems going on in that state. I was like, that doesn't surprise me at all. One of the largest cults in the entire world is headquartered there. And people are like, what? What are you talking about? And then I would tell them and they'd be like, so confused. That's the thing. It's like, I don't want to, I want people to have belief systems. I don't want to destroy that, but I am not okay with harmful belief systems that are destroying children, hurting people and doing all of those things. So poke holes, poke them, stick them at them. Because it does. It sets people up for like child abuse. You and I both had like different, very different types of child abuse. Which just goes to prove that all of it happens. It's not a one-off right. situation. Yours wasn't consent consentful. It's not, not like, at all. But not like even. mine, mine, I thought I was consenting to it. And I thought I was being a part of it. And I thought, I know that everyone was like, what is going on with her? But like, also at the same time, like, none of my, none of my friends in the church thought it was weird. Yeah. Nobody thought like a 24 year old being excited to hang out with a 17 year old was like, inappropriate. Yeah. And wanting to date this person and talk about like going off and getting married with this person. And then just like watching the leader who should have been the one protecting us. Yeah. Protecting them. Like, that's the thing is that they weren't protecting you and I, they were protecting the boys. Yeah. And, you know, I've never named, I'm never going to name this individual. And, but like, at the same time, like for me, it's like, because I know your story, when I see that individual thriving and having a happy life, I'm pissed about me it. Too. I'm like, <laughs> I just want to go knock you in the knees. Cause you hurt my friend. Well, and that person has, you know, they're still in the church community and they have young female children. And I make zero accusations, but I know what I experienced. I know that they sent their friends after me. I know that this is not an isolated thing. It went on for years. And I have a, I'm hard pressed to believe that it has never infiltrated their life since. And I also don't believe for one second that I was the only one. They had a younger sister who was my friend. I don't believe for one second that I was the only female in that house that was sexually abused by that individual or their brother. I don't believe for a second. Oh, I don't doubt it. Like it didn't happen with me because I wasn't close with that, with the sister. I think I've only ever spent the night at their house like one time in like all the years I knew them, but like the close friends that stayed the night all the time. Right. And And then another question, I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you. No, I apologize. I just think too that you had two boys in that house. Where did they learn these behaviors? That's what I want to know. Where did they learn it? Was it, it was either indoctrination from the church, like subtle things they didn't know that they thought they were entitled to, or was there perhaps a male leader in the household that maybe was saying creepy things? I always, you and I always felt uncomfortable around them. Always. Mm -hmm. Why? Why? Yeah, no. And my parents did. Like my dad never trusted that individual ever. And it was always like a, oh, it's this family against this family. And it, and I didn't know if it was because my dad was a doctor and they were prominent in the community. And it was like this big, oh, let's have that 
let's have like a a pissing contest essentially. But like at the same time, like, I don't know, just like church was so like, it was, it was a place that I loved to go to. And it was a place that I felt like connection to. But looking back on it, it was always like, there's always so much more hurt in it. And it was like, not only was I striving to be a good Christian, but I was striving to be a good youth disciple. I had to be the number one. Like, I felt like I had to push myself so much harder just so that the leadership would accept me. And there were so many times like that was pitted against me in my household where I would come home and basically tell my dad, who was a board member of the church, you need to vote this way because this person says so. And I'm sure you probably had the same thing. Like, I'm sure it was leaned on to you. Like, hey, your dad is a board member as well. Like, you should. No, you don't. Like, I remember saying to my dad so many times, like, you don't understand. It's just that the church hates the youth group. And it was pushing agendas. And we were weaponized. And I didn't see that until, like, the big fracture that happened with the pastor that, like, left when we were there. And. And it was like this big thing. I mean, the church was trying to split in half. Like they were like, if you believe with us, go over here and like, we're going to meet and talk about setting up a new church. And then it came down to like, well, you can't because you're ordained in the assembly. And like, if you do that, then you have to like, there are bylaws that you have to like go at least, I think it was like 200 miles away to set up your church, something like that. And it was crazy. And I remember being accosted by board members telling me, like, you, you can't believe this. It's really sad that you're doing that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The what you when I decided not to get ordained and I was like, I just can't do that. Specifically, there were three statements of faith that you had to sign. One is that alcohol is evil and that in the Bible, Jesus turned water into grape juice, which is <laughs> theologically so unsound. It's not even funny. It literally says wine, (laughs) but okay. People were drunk and asking him, why are you bringing out the good shit when we're all smashed? That's literally the scripture. Okay. And then you also had to agree that you are only a Christian if you spoke in tongues. And then if you don't speak in tongues, you are not a Christian. And that is also theologically not sound. That's nowhere in Christian script. So where did that come from? I can't remember what the other one was, but it was another like ridiculous thing where I was like, I cannot drink. That's not a problem for me, but I can't sign a statement of faith saying that he turns water into grape juice because I have a degree in theology and I've studied, I know what it says. That's just preposterous. I will say, yeah, like one thing with tarot you'll find is there's almost an equal number of like schools of thought of how to use it but it's not aggressively divided, right? It's more it's true. like there's obviously there are ways to read it that are more like internal. I think they call that Jung is the type. And then there's other types where it's much more like engaging with the spiritual world and there's a different type of practice. I think there's more connection to that. So that's again, like in church, you just walk in on eggshells. There's so much tension a hundred percent of the time. Something's always going to break. You're always going to do something wrong. You're never good enough. There's always a thing. And with tarot, it's very much like, what do you feel? What do you think? What is it saying to you? There's not, it's not gaslighting. It's learning about yourself. I remember like when I went to the school that we went to, one of the first things they do is have you sign like essentially like a purity contract. Not essentially. It's literally a purity contract. 
Yeah, it's literally a purity contract. And they can kick you out of school if you have sex. They can kick you out of school if you drink. They can kick you out of school if you wore a tank top that was smaller than one inch. I remember when I was like signing that, I didn't sign my actual last name. Like I think I signed like my parents' last name and turned it in because they weren't looking. So I was like, because I played sports, like I played on the softball team. Like, are you saying like if I, I remember like one time I like rolled my like shirt up into my bra and it was like this big deal. And like you and I have a mutual friend who, whose dad literally like ran the organization for a bit. And like, I would sit there and listen to him and he would say cringy things, but he's a dude, like I would, couldn't reconcile like why he could do it and say things, but I wasn't like, if I said something, it would be like, oh my God, did you hear what Jessica said? She said something really suggestive and it would make its way up to the leadership. You'd end up in a dean's office. I remember one time I told someone to get the hell out of my room and I had to go sit in the dean's office and like essentially confess my sins. I had to call my boss at the time because I worked at a church and had to be like, hey, by the way, I'm in trouble for this. And I'm like, that's what I got in trouble for? I told her to get the hell out of my room. Like, that shouldn't have been a big deal. They love to me. The girl was in there stealing things. I know. Not in trouble for stealing, but my potty mouth. And I was like, oh, geez. That mutual friend that used to be a leader of things, that is the individual that said the weird comment that kicked off the vision of the boat and my whole departure from organization. I really, really look forward to encountering that person one day, shaking their hand, looking them in the eyes and say, you're the reason that I'm not a Christian anymore. And I could not thank you more for it. (laughs) Oh my God. He would not know what to do. He'd be praying for me. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) But it's also so weird because it's like, if you go along with theology, like he's a sinner. If you go along with their, the way they think, and what's the point of that? Like, what is the point of us having these right. judgments about people? What does that right. serve anybody other than to create fear and division? It's just more of like one of those things in the church, men who sinned aren't as sinful as women who sin. That's the other thing, like with tarot is tarot has some gendered cards. And mm-hmm. I, I'm like in my deck, sometimes it makes sense where like, you're like, yes, I want this to be a woman because it's counter. like. It has the statement. And other times I'm like, gender isn't a, a thing. Gender isn't real. <laughs> My soul has no mm. gender. And so neither did Jesus' soul. So like, let's just get That's off true. this planet here, you guys. <laughs> yeah. Lots of tangents. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. It has been like great being able to talk about this with you because one of the things is I've talked about now since I saw your video, like on the podcast, I was like, I was in a cult. Yeah. And so to be able to kind of be like, no, like I have, I have someone who walked it with me and I'm so glad that you found something that like heals you yeah. because it's so unfortunate that people, a lot of people don't find that. And I think that's like one of the big things is like when we start looking at people and their be- like addictive personalities and their behaviors is that they're taught you can only get better this one way, yeah. this, this one path. Yeah. And finding out that there is like more than one path that can help you heal is so, in my opinion, fulfilling. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's been great. And I, again, Spooksters, you should definitely like check out her content on TikTok. Her handle is at Fat Crowley. We'll, of course, link it in the, in the show notes mm-hmm. so that you It'll guys- be in the show notes. Yeah. So that you guys can go see it. If you, if you haven't already followed her, you should, you should go follow her. And yeah, that kind of wraps it up for us today. And thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure and I loved hearing your story of how you kind of like 
not only has tarot like helped heal you spiritually, but it's helped kind of physically healing you as well. Mm-hmm. I love that. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you and- for having me. All right. Well, that is going to go ahead and wrap us up today. We hope you all enjoyed. Thanks to Rags for joining us in this episode. And we will see y'all back on Monday. Bye, guys. Three spoons.